You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. I am your host, Chris Spangle. We bring you all of the irreverence modern politics deserves while putting people before political parties. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective with the goal of leaving you better informed. Please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and subscribe on Patreon at wearelibertarians.com. In exchange for supporting our program, we give you all kinds of bonus content and free stuff. This show is crowdsourced, so you can send us news in our Facebook group or Discord channel, which you can uh, access at wearelibertarians.com. And, as always, we'll take your questions and comments via email at editor at wearelibertarians.com. Please be warned that this show is raw, unedited, and authentic, so the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Okay, what are you doing? Making coffee. Okay, that's Harry Price. Sorry. What in the what in the world? What in the wild, wild world of sports is going on? Coach, I'm making coffee. Harry has all right. Paul. Paul yep. Cope. Paul Copeland joins us. Hello. Uh, there's some sort of short in my mic. Do you hear that fuzzy noise? There's. I'm so thrown off right now. I'm so distracted. Paul, no professionalism. You you've been here from the very beginning, from the second Harry walked in the door tonight. What was he like? You know the commercials where they uh, are trying to give somebody a Snickers bar? Right. Yeah, he was that needy the entire time. Not even 30 seconds, not even a hello. He walked in the door like he owned the place, which he acts like anyways. Right. And and then he starts bitching because there wasn't filtered water for him. And then I hadn't cleaned his coffee machine, which it's my coffee machine because it's in my house, in my studio, on my podcast it's um our coffee machine okay that Jason gave to us yes Jason as a network Jason Doolittle was uh kind enough to mm-hmm. to give me a coffee machine no the, the people a coffee machine <laughs> so <laughs> all the people who come onto the um, we libertarians network can have and enjoy coffee right like a proper green room let's begin with a public apology Harry okay okay yeah. let's start with a public apology definitely Paul, what time did you show up today? 6.30. What time were you supposed to be here? Uh, 7. Right. Mm-hmm. What is the one rule that we are libertarians? Uh, we have to not show up early. <laughs> right. And so you violated the rule. A- outrageous, Harry. I know. <laughs> Chris is outrageous. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, you're, you're outrageous. <laughs> no, uh, it was nice. Paul and I ended up having dinner. I, I didn't get a shower as a result, though. I smell like uh, the pool. I, I went to the pool b- to do show prep today. Mm-hmm. Well, 
And the pool is just a bath if you're lazy enough to treat it as such. Well, tell tell that to my seventh grade self because pool day at school meant I didn't need to take a bath for three days because in that I was the smelly kid to be quite honest. Oh. Like <laughs> at seventh, the next day you go to school and like you're in gym class and it's a cardio day mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you're just like, what smells like uh, the bleach? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's me. I didn't take a bath. I guess I should have showered last night. So I just feel very hot and sticky. You know when you don't take a shower. Yeah. Uh, so if so if this podcast doesn't go well tonight, uh, I'm not going to make you publicly apologize because you showed up last minute. There were extenuating circumstances you did not expect to be here. Although you did get a shower, didn't you? Yes, <laughs> that's right. And we thank him afterward. Yeah, honestly. Uh, and so, but you you came last minute. You're helping us out. But if this podcast doesn't go well, then I think you all need to write on Paul's uh, wall that. He owes everyone a public apology. Not just me, but the listeners. And as we know, the listeners and Dear Leader are one. All right, enough uh, enough nonsense for this episode. Um, Harry, we had a great time with Jason Doolittle, didn't we? Yes, it was a great time, splendid time. We got to, one, do that awesome podcast that we, we recorded on Thursday. Right. Um, then he treated us to uh, some St. Elmo's, mm-hmm. and we got to have a chocolate bag also. Yes, the chocolate, when he goes, uh, Jason looked at me and goes, really? It's just to tell me that the coffee's done. You realize this is a rate. This we are trying to be professionals here. Yeah, yeah. And and if we would have been professional, put this studio in the bedroom, you wouldn't have heard. I'm not going to put the studio in my one bedroom apartment in the one bedroom. You should have. I had a date on Saturday. Okay, she walked in here like this was this. This I was a serial killer. I'm not even joking. And she looked over on the wall, and I have a Donald Trump Halloween mask on the wall mm-hmm. uh, because it's like it just because the three <laughs> and the the V for Vendetta mask, yeah. And she goes, "What is that?" I go, "Oh, that's a Trump Halloween mask." Are you a Trump fan? No, I just think it's funny. I had a Hillary one, but it fell off. Mm-hmm. It fell off the wall. And she was like, "Okay." It, it was pretty much downhill from there, I think. But uh, no, I had a lovely time. But uh, it was it was funny when when she walked in here. It was like so. Imagine walking into this apartment and there's a bed right here. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, "Well, what do you use your bedroom for?" And I open it up, and it looks like a button factory puked all over the walls. So it's my my small business. <laughs> right, right, right. Well. I'm just saying, like, you know, you position the bed so it looks out the double doors. <laughs> a romantic view of Menards. <laughs> yeah. You can't see the Menards from here. Not right now. It's too overgrown. But in the wintertime, I can read by the glow of its warm sign. Careful, you're going to dox yourself. <laughs> right. Oh, I don't... Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, we, we alert the police before every podcast. Uh, but it was nice to eat with Paul. Uh, Paul, you witnessed... Uh, you basically doxed me yourself. I... <laughs> I, yeah, only in that you live near water and ducks. And what what did you witness? I witnessed a grown man hurl a hamburger from his balcony to the ducks below. <laughs> Listen, it's hard when you live by yourself. Okay, it, it, and I don't know if either. I know he lives with someone. I don't know if you live alone, but you know, making food for one person can be very difficult. And so, 
sometimes you have extra food at the end of your meal, and I don't throw it in the trash. Nature is my garbage disposal. You know, a lot of people run into that same problem, Mm -hmm. and uh, they cook less. Well, I don't see like that is a good solution at all. I mean, what if I cook food and I'm still hungry? Then you can cook a little more food. See, this just seems like an inefficient use of resources, to be honest. You could also, when you invite us over for the podcast, cook us dinner. I would have, honestly. Do I have to get here at 6.30? Well, no, don't don't get here at six thirty. Um, so so yes, but we had a great time. Back to Jason, we had a great time uh, with Jason, and we were you know hanging out. Had a real bro weekend. Mm-hmm. We uh, Jason came here. We did a great episode of We Are Libertarians. It was great having him here. Yep. Uh, he brought gifts. He brought uh, he brought you the Pellegrino. Yep. He he brought me a sixty four ounce bottle of water. Okay, here, feel how heavy this is when it's full. <laughs> I mean, it's no uh, computer heavy, but... <laughs> here, uh, hand it to Harry. It's got some heft to it. Mm. Isn't that amazing? That's nice. But it stays cold for hours, uh, so I'm well hydrated during the show now. Sweet. Because man. of... Uh, oh, oh, man. That's Go to the water bar, get your growler of water from around the country. That's literally what it is. It's a growler of water. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so he came bearing gifts. I got the gift to share. I got the coffee maker, which I'm willing to share with all wall guests for the break room. Right. So when we, you know, so when you come on to We Are Libertarians, you can just ask your leader to make coffee. Yeah, so it's very nice. Uh, so instead I, of staring at it for two hours, you can get the coffee maker ready. But it, it has become a distraction at the beginning of the show. Uh, the, the buzzing, the wrinkling, the crinkling. Harry's inattention, Harry's demands, which as we mentioned were outrageous the second he walked in here. I think Jason owes me a public apology. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) They weren't demands, they were observations. (laughs) Observations. I observed that you didn't do this for me. I observed that you were complaining like a big baby. Uh, and so then we uh, we ended up going uh, Friday. We had a great time. We I, I we went to the Antelope Club, but we should have gone to the Columbia Club. And so we, he got to see both the Antelope and the Columbia Club. And uh, then we went to St. Elmo's, the fancy steakhouse in town. And that was I was so unprepared. I, I like he's like right after we end the podcast, he's like, "Did you make reservations?" I'm like, "Reza what?" Because I've literally, that was the first time in my life I've made reservations for a restaurant. Here's what a man of the people, dear leader, is. He's never made a reservation at a restaurant. And then the day before, he's like, uh, well, uh, this is fancy, so I'm going to wear a tie. I was like, oh, I'm going to wear a tie, too. <laughs> and so it was it was, it was, was fun to go to a place that I've never been. Yes. And then the next morning, it was really fun. We went shooting. Yeah. For- your glass is just steamed up from the coffee. Yeah. Well, before that, um, Jason and his brother-in-law came out to my favorite breakfast re- uh, right. restaurant, uh, Cafe Audrey's on the Fort. Right. Got to be there with Gunther. Got to see Gunther. And they got to try the, the amazing pancakes that they have there before we went shooting. Right. Yep. I, I was unable to attend. Why was that? Because I'm lazy. Okay. I, was, I didn't wake up till 8.30. <laughs> um, so then we go to the shooting range, and I had never shot a gun before, and uh, to be quite honest, I enjoyed it. Yes. See? Yeah. No, it was, it was 
not as scary as I thought. So I kind of want to talk about uh, that a little bit. You know, the first time you're shooting a gun, uh, and and maybe the next level of what what I should do next. I think it also was Jason's teaching style. Yeah, Jason's very patient, mm-hmm. uh, very thorough, very generous. Yeah, and he did a lot of the ones where it's more of like a true training. Like he, it wasn't a training class. Like I don't think uh, it wasn't like the NRA test or GOA style instruction. But it was really, you know, it was very catered to you for you your needs. Right. So I just I think what I kind of want to do is I want to walk people through the process a little bit because. I think there are probably a lot of people like myself who just grew up in a suburban area and have never really shot a gun. They don't know anything about a gun, and it isn't. It wasn't nearly. It's not that I thought it would be scary, but you just sort of like you don't know what it's going to be like. Yeah, it, and it's certainly intimidating. Right is that, how I'd say it. That may be the better word. Yes, intimidating. Thank you, Paul. And. You you basically walk in, so I I didn't know what I was kind of walking into. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess you have based on Blue Bloods and CSI a vision of yeah. what a shooting range would look like, but it was just your it was like a really nice store. Mm-hmm. It was a really well set up store, yeah. and the, the guys in there were very knowledgeable and friendly, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they were they were talking about all the people that they argue with on Facebook and how many <laughs> idiots there are who don't know anything about guns, right? And uh, then you sign a little waiver that basically says we're not responsible for your dumb ass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you walk up to the counter, and they have a wall of guns. And so are, are all shooting ranges kind of the same, or like is this one fancy or, or what? All right, for it's not super fancy. I want to say this one's more. Uh, we went to Indie Arms off of uh, Keystone and Fifty Fifth Fifty Fifth Street. In Indianapolis, um, shout out to Indy Arms. Um, I want to say they're about medium. They're not that hoity-toity fancy type of gun store, but they're not that you know sawdust floor out in the. Your most people like that out in the open one, but if this is a nice medium range indoor shooting range, right? You know, it and it's meant to cater to people who are new to shooting who coming into into shoot right. because I think the if it was too fancy it would be way too intimidating, or if it was too open air to raw people it would still it'd be even equally intimidating for other people to come with right yeah it's kind of like most people into entry into uh, different like um, ethnic food like if you're used to just having like your traditional like you know midwestern fair food like most people could never walk into a like a denny's before in their life but they'll walk into one right but you know if I try to have you walk into like some Korean restaurants you've never been before, it's, it's, it's intimidating until you've gone there, you understand the menu, you understand the process, and you're like, wow, this place is awesome. I'm right. going to keep going. Yeah, and and Stone says, you know, my grandma's backyard is my shooting range. And I, I know a lot of people who, you know, <laughs> nature is their shooting range. They go on a piece of property and they, they shoot on a piece of property. But, you know, what was smart about the way that you and Jason set it up is that you were like, you didn't take me to the Thai place and give me the hot. You're like give give this white boy the the mild yeah, and yeah. some rice and non bread, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's just stick with faux and make make it fake. Mm-hmm. Let's not give yeah. him the real stuff yet. And so, 
So I shot a twenty-two caliber pistol to start out, and that was for what reason? One, to get you to the used of just squeezing the trigger and, and getting used to the noise, the action of it, this, and safe handling on something that's lightweight and easy to understand right. and not so intimidating. Also, the the frame of the gun also helped with recoil, so you wouldn't be too scared and jump into the recoil, and you could actually go through the process without having to deal with anything else right you could just you know follow the instruction and that's all you had to worry about so there were a bunch of pistols and there were a bunch of big guns that look like ak-47s on the wall and uh so i you know i got the 22 caliber pistol which looked like kind of a cop gun it was a sig right uh, it was a Smith and Wesson. Oh, sorry, sorry. And it, Sick guys are mad. Yeah, and uh, so I, I texted a picture of my friend. She's shot guns forever, and she's like, "Why are you shooting a lady gun?" <laughs> <laughs> and I explained I wasn't buying it. I was just starting to shoot on it. But it did uh, come in a pink case. It um, did have a pink case on it. You're right. I didn't but, even think of that. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, you had your choice of nine millimeter, thirty eight. 45 calorie. You had a bunch 38 of special 9 millimeter um, right. 380 autos. Um, yeah. I guess if you were, if for those who don't know anything about guns, kind of like I don't, I mean, now I'm an expert, honestly, but like <laughs> uh, you had a wall full of like the ones that look like cowboys had, the ones that look like, you know. You means revolvers. Right. 70, 70s police, which the midnight specials. Then you had like the current police guns, which are the Glock looking ones that look like, you know, metal and square and black plastic handles. Uh, and that's the one that I got. I got the twenty two caliber. All right, Saturday Night Special is just a cheap piece of crap gun. They're not no. Right. No, no, stop calling every revolver you see a cheap piece of crap. I said there was the the, the Saturday night special and the cowboy gun. I gave no. them two different qualifications, okay? I thought I was very descriptive about it. I was very that. upset when you called my revolver a Saturday night special. That thing is expensive. Isn't that what you called it on the show? No, I, I called it a thirty-eight did. special. I mean, a midnight special and a thirty-eight special, to me, are the same thing, Harry. I'm not I'm splitting hairs here, but... Um, so... So I I I basically walked up and and Jason said he's never shot a gun before. Give this noob something that he can handle, and he handed me the lady gun in the pink case, mm-hmm. and and we were like perfect. And so what I what I liked about those guys is that you know they knew I didn't know anything and they were there to basically walk me through it. Mm-hmm. You know, and at first when I walked in, I walked in with the I you know with the imposter syndrome of can they tell that I don't know what I'm doing here? You know, you have that mentality when you walk into a place like that of being intimidated because these guys are really experts on their craft and what they do and you know nothing (laughs) and you don't want to show that you don't know anything but that's the best thing to do is just to say i don't know anything please help exactly when you go into your gun store especially for the first time if you don't have anyone to walk you through the guys that they're one they're there to sell money also they love people getting people into the sport because if you're comfortable you like the sport just like you go into any game store just like i'm sure like paul when you walked into your first magic store and someone first introduced you to magic the gathering like you didn't know anything you were talking about but i'm sure they were more than happy to get you in Oh, yeah. No, it, <laughs> they were certainly happy to get me in. Way too happy. Uh, Ma- the Magic the Gathering store or the gun store? Uh, the Magic the Gathering store, uh, you know, where I've spent probably $2,000 over the past five or six years. Okay. Several AK-47s. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. <laughs> now he's thinking about it, like, oh no. I just looked at him like it, I'm gonna give him space to let him talk, and then Paul completely shut down. On it me. is like cardboard cocaine, but that's not why we're here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, most gun stores now, are. Hold on. I remember that feeling because I had basketball, baseball, and football cards as a kid. I had mountains of them, and you're just oh, yeah. like, if I buy one more pack, it could be the one. Exactly. Right. It. But, you know, slightly different experience with gun stores. Uh, the two I've been in here in Indianapolis, I've not found to be very welcoming places because me and my roommate walked in and they're looking at us like, what the hell are these two fat man children doing in my store? <laughs> <laughs> Is this the magic or the gun store? The gun store. All right, because I think no, you're probably okay in we, either. We honestly. were welcomed at the Magic the Gathering <laughs> store earlier that afternoon. Right. They rolled out the red carpet there but <laughs> yeah no uh the uh the atmosphere for a gun store is very important mm-hmm. i will agree with that because uh there are gun stores that are very convenient for where i'm at that i don't go to right and it's because they looked at me like i had two heads when i was looking about their store really <laughs> Why do you why do you think they had that mentality? I mean, was it just a sort of your own insecurity making you feel that way, or were they just like unwelcoming and they were unwelcoming, unhelpful, and like granted, I had my hair down past my shoulders at that point, mm, uh-huh. and your skin color, yeah, school shooter, mm, honestly, typical, yeah, yeah completely school shooter, right? Were you, dressed, <laughs> were you dressed in your black trench coat? I, I don't have a black trench coat. I thought about bringing. The black, if I had a black trench coat, I would have wore it today. Would have been in better taste than the first episode I was on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were saying at this place that we went, you came in with Maya. Who yeah, I've come in with Maya. Who, who couldn't be a bigger embarrassment in most cases. Yeah, so. They're totally fine. I've gone in with several different um, trans people before inside the store just so they can, one, be armed and protect themselves and have understanding go through the training classes and they've gone through the you know and the, you know they've let them go through the, the training classes and they've had so much fun in environment like like wow i like shooting this is fun right you know? and it's and they because they were completely intimidated because you know to most people that you know were the most of the guys were cis white males that ran the gun store yeah Mm-hmm. Were they probably all probably Republicans, possibly conservatives, possibly who knows? You know, it's probably a couple of libertarians in there. Who knows? Like, you know, never talk, try to talk politics with them other than guns. But they were, they've always been very welcoming. I even walked in there with my porcupine rainbow shirt, and they just treated, and a lot of them like even like remembered me and like treated me like, oh yeah, yeah, it's Harry. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't saying that they would treat Maya differently because of her transness. I was saying it's because she's a jackass. Yeah, she's also a, yeah. She's also, well, like the other thing is like um, I've also cracked joke to those guys there before of like the we I showed them the video of dumb stuff uh, noobs do in gun stores. Mm-hmm. And like we you know I was in there a couple of times cracking jokes, and be like, hey, I need a new like thing for this gun. And you pull out your concealed pistol like that is you know right. stupid moves people do at gun stores. Uh, did I do any of them? No. I no, no. I I like I uh basically had the same attitude I'd have at, at seventh grade dances when I was in seventh grade. I'm just going to stand here, not look at anything, and hope no one notices me. <laughs> I, if I, and so I'm not going to touch anything. I'm just going. I know everything here is dangerous and can hurt me. So I'm just <laughs> going to pretend that I uh, I'm going to wait for someone to approach me, and then I will be fine. Mm. 
And uh, that's and then once you guys got there, you know, I kind of walked around and I was just like, you know, just checking everything out, looking at the guns. I'm amazed at how cheap guns are. Like I would I would have thought like guns were over four figures for most cases, but they were like two hundred dollar guns, four hundred dollar guns. Like uh, 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 the most expensive pistols that I saw were you know eleven hundred bucks, and I, so I I just for whatever reason always thought that they were way more expensive than they are. Need to renegotiate my wall contract if those guns were cheap. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you you think like what a, a gun? You think that a gun would cost more than an iPhone, but it doesn't. Well, one your iPhone's over bloated. It's cost okay. more than move along, place. move uh, along, coffee boy. <laughs> <laughs> but guns, at the end of the day, they're just steel crafted to do a purpose that's right. it and it's a very old craft now granted technology has improved and they've made them better shoot differently and do all kinds of different weird different things in the engineering behind it. it's like there's a lot of r&d that goes through it but there's so many that are built right. and they're not having to get up on the latest technology so and there's so many different gun manufacturers so yeah that's kind of why the prices don't get yeah. too skyrocketing high and if they're too high it's like no one will buy them yeah or they uh, won't buy new ones and there is kind of a level of uh, people trying to reinvent the wheel. There's not too much more that can really be done with uh, throwing pieces of lead very quickly downrange. So, <laughs> and, sort of, and like, mostly sort of like the smartphone, where it's like they've revolutionized to the point where now it's just, eh, we'll just make it more efficient and quicker. And exactly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's all about like saving a few ounces of metal here and there, mm-hmm. uh, getting a little bit tighter grouping. Uh, when bench shooting, because at this point, you know, the guns are so accurate that the only thing that you can improve upon is the human holding it. Right. But yeah, no guns like you can build them yourself. They're not super difficult to figure out the engineering for, uh, which is another little wrinkle in the news here lately. Uh, yeah. Wasn't a guy just given the ability granted? I mean, the the state basically gave us our freedom, and he's now allowed to three D print guns. Or what was that story? Cody Wilson. Yeah. Uh, first off, uh, he never stopped uh, <laughs> <laughs> because, like, he put because the uh, yes, they they basically he, they told him that he had to stop, but to because who, who is he and what is he? What Cody Wilson um, is he? He's the guy who does the he did the three D printed gun that everyone raves talks yeah. about, like so the Liberator, right? But the thing that he main thing is um, his company was Defense Distributed. Yes, Defense Distributed. What he does, he makes this thing called a Ghost Gunner, which is basically a CNC machine that will take a AR-15, like uh, what is eighty percent lower, and then the CNC machine is programmed to finish it. Uh, he's eight, I, I don't even think it's a eighty percent lower with what he's doing. I think it's just a block of metal, and he mm. mills out the entire thing from there. Okay, eighty uh, percent lowers you can buy kits for offline already, mm-hmm. but his was like complete, no registration. You can just get a drill press and knock this thing out in a couple of hours. Hmm. And that's just what the machine does, and people are freaking out because of this machine, but it. it at the end of the day, it's just a CNC machine which you could program anything to do. Or if you had a CNC machine, you could probably program one to do something to make the exact same thing. Right. If you had a, if you had an AR-15, you can look at it and reverse engineer and, fi- and make this thing. Mm-hmm. All it is is steel and springs. Gotcha. 
Okay, so so then he got in trouble for what? So he was publishing uh, downloadable files that basically gave all the specifications of different guns. And mm-hmm. uh, his company uh, even goes as far as taking measurements of existing guns down to like the thousandth of an inch and creating CAD files out of them, mm-hmm. which would be computer-aided design and would allow you to mill out your own parts and replicate the entire weapon that way. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, the... Uh, Using the, technology that's free available. Anyone can buy this. He's just doing it. Right. And yeah, I believe... We can't that, have that sort of freedom, so yeah. the government tried to stop him? Well, uh, I believe it was the Defense Department... Uh, Correct. ...told him that he couldn't publish these files online because it would amount to uh, giving weapons technology to uh foreign agents mm-hmm. i've never heard of the defense department and i don't think the defense department has the ability to do basically what would be a civil policing situation like that well they were trying to justify it on the grounds that uh since it would be on the internet that foreign nationals and foreign governments could get their hands on sure i get design. that but just purely as a as we talked with in the supreme court issue with abdul like from a process standpoint, it would have to be the FBI or the Judicial Department or the ATF that would basically have to regulate that. I can't believe the Defense Department would be the one taking any kind of action against him, but interesting. Yeah. Well, because he's also exporting and stuff like that. So we, like they were they so they went after him hard and then they got they finally did. He sued. He stopped. He sued. And then he ended up getting it because it was like a what was a uh, forget. Um, what the judge ruled on it. Um, uh, there was no judge ruling. It was a settlement with oh. the uh, department. Mm. Sorry, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's really weird that the Defense Department, I'll have to look more into that. But uh, yeah, I'm more interested in the legal the legal question than I am the the gun part. But yeah, I mean, you can. It, it's out there, so it's not like, mm-hmm. uh, okay, stop well, the posting thing is, the files, but whatever, they're on, and they're going to be on file share for the rest of the uh, humanity's time on the internet. That's the thing. A lot of the guns are have already been out there. Right. They're already out there. Like the 1911, that's been studied. This is what a 1911 is. This has been out there. It's in books. Right. This is what a 1911 is. Yeah. So the only thing, the only difference is he kind of made it simpler and easier. And even now they're trying to do uh, reports on like these unmarked guns are showing across the, the countries and doing all these different things. Like, I've really? seen some of those pop up. Yeah, yeah really? Yeah, these people are getting these ghost guns and they're causing crimes with it. Really, that's that's all it took was these ghost guns. You know, we didn't even on. really register pistols until the nineties, right? I mean, there were no, I mean, we, no, we don't. Reg- uh, no, they they put serial numbers on the the serial numbers on the pistols is just more of a what they have to register to the ATF on build. Gotcha. So they and they try to trace them because in their head it's like well if someone is selling this gun to criminals and buying them to bypass a background check system Mm -hmm. we can find out who's doing that right but since it's just stamped on their steel most criminals shave off the serial numbers anyways all right because even it's like you know they they shave them off so even if they get if they because if it's stolen or however they get it they don't want to trace back either i remember seeing on one of the guns that i held that day like a like a silver plate looked mm-hmm. like stainless steel with an imprint of the serial number on it mm-hmm. and you could have literally just taken a a, a plier 
and pulled that off. Well, I mean, you know, well, it's just like the VIN number on your car, right? If you know, if it came down to it, what your windshield's in with black RTV sealant, so piano wire, your windshield's out. Take some ten snips, ten snip your VIN number out, put the and put the uh, windshield back on. Ta-da! It's gone. That was oddly specific, Paul. It's like he has experience with it. You know, or and then you can switch it out so you can go from a, a, a rebuilt title to a clean title. All right. Just you, like that. You like roll the tires backwards and roll back the odometer too? First off, that doesn't work. You have to take the odometer out of the car and use a reverse drill, hook it up to it. And- I'm sorry I saw it in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You're lying to me, sir. <laughs> the movies would never lie. My first real favorite, what I'd like to do is to go to the junkyard and you find a car with less miles. You remove its entire cluster and then you put that in the new car. So you can go from like a... You know, a Dodge Neon with 250,000 miles to 78,000. Nice. Never buy a car from Harry is what I'm hearing here. (laughs) Um, So Such an educational episode. I know. All the ways to be a criminal. Uh, So I am uh, getting my my little gun, and I hand over my ID, and, you know, I basically... By the way, they probably ran... uh, They probably sent your information to the um, IMPD, by the way. Did they? Yeah. How do you know that? Because uh, they do that. I think, uh, so this has been an episode of We Are Libertarians. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, no time for final thoughts. I've got to go. No, so so what, when we were standing there, what, do they like put it in a database? Mm-hmm. Or do they like run it real quick to check your background? Or what? what's the purpose of sending it there? So you have no warrants for your arrest or something like that? Gotcha. You know, they just check people. So, well, granted, I don't know. Like, I don't have no proof that they check people, but I have known of rangers. I don't know if Indy Arms does that, but I've known of rangers to do that. So, what are they trying to help the police? Yes, that's what they do. Well, this is like some thin blue line uh, BS here, Paul. Well, you know, from their perspective, it gets them good favor with the people that could cause them trouble. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yes, it's basically paying off the Gestapo. Yeah, yeah. makes total sense. Pretty much. Uh, and if they have an issue, then obviously they want them to come out real quick. Well, and it also, if they are uh, getting the criminal element out of their establishment, being a gun store, you don't want to associate with that. So, Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you know, they are highly incentivized to not have anybody that could cause trouble or, you know, that could buy a gun and come back to them. So you're not saying that they ran a background check as we were standing there. They're just sending that eventually. Here's the people that came to the range. Yeah. Just kind of like Motel 6 does that most hotels do. Really? I didn't know that either. Yeah. Yeah. Most hotels, they send your background check. They send your information to the police. All the Yeah. And hmm. Motel 6 actually got in trouble with it because they actually was doing, um, they were helping like uh, uh, ICE agents started picking up on some of the number uh, names they would call in. <laughs> I can't imagine how many times Aaron Ewart's name's been registered in. <laughs> Anyways, inside joke that nobody else gets, but when Aaron hears it, he'll laugh. Um, So, all right, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm surprised that there isn't any kind of like, I I guess having always heard how regulated guns are and how dangerous they are and how all of this is, you know, like that they're, they're not. Excuse me. Well, that's the other thing is like they're not like running your background as you go in. Like they're just handing you a loaded weapon and have a good time. Like, yeah. yeah so like, yeah, a lot of the myths. Well, when you walk into a gun store and buy one and do stuff at a gun store, like it does help dispel a lot of myths that a lot of people have. For about. example, one like there's no background check process. You can right. just walk in and easily get a gun. I really wished 
that we could have just had you buy a gun so you could go through the whole process. And we could even had you mock through the process of like filling out the yellow sheet and going through to understand like what's going, what happens when you do the whole process. Right. Uh, so, so like, what is the process to actually buy a gun? Like, well, if I wanted to buy that one that I was looking at, that that little three hundred dollar dealy. First, to check out the color chart to make sure you're white enough to get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Do you have any Limp Biscuit on your iPod? I know Marilyn Manson. I played a Limp Biscuit song this morning, and Lacey never heard of it before. What? I know, right? I was shocked. Wow, what kind of older millennial is she? I know. I looked at her and I was like, you've never heard this? It was Boiler, by the way, for those Limp Biscuit fans that are wanting to know. So, but so uh, I want to buy that little $300 pistol that I was looking at. What, what's the process? First off, uh, you uh, take some of the small jewels that you have and you tell them that you want to buy it. Then you would... Uh, Wait a minute, this is Zelda? <laughs> like, take some of your small jewels? Yeah. You mean uh, money? Yeah, whatever. Okay. Um, <laughs> you go, some boolean. You, you walk into the castle, and you say, Dear sir, my name is Zelda. Zelda's <laughs> <laughs> so the girl, okay? Whatever. <laughs> Peter Pan, you're Peter Pan then. No, All right, no. so... So I give them some of my gems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they would ask for your ID and then give you this yellow sheet. Or sometimes it's white, but mostly the time it's freaking yellow. Uh, and that you would fill out your background check. Basically, they ask for your name, your address, um, and they ask you, and you go through like this questionnaire. Like, have you ever been convicted of a crime, domestic violence? Um, what is it? Uh uh, you know, uh, mental health. How you how how's your mental health? And then after they go through this entire questionnaire and you answer the questions correctly and truthfully, they then make sure you did that correctly by calling the FBI and getting a back an FBI background check for you. And the FBI checks what? They go through your um, your criminal history, which is reported. Make sure you're not a um, what is it a. Uh, I'm going to say this word wrong. Uh, dishonorably discharged from the uh, military, okay, uh, or or committed of domestic violence, or anything that would disqualify you from owning a ha- uh, owning a weapon. Basically, a violent offense. Yeah, violent okay. offense. Yeah. Gotcha. What if I had like a drug charge? Let's say I'd have been caught selling weed. If it's um, depending on the state, but if you just was like a small misdemeanor charge, you'd be you should be you would be fine. Yeah, and the, I've, but I've it heard. Depends on the state, and I've heard in states that now with medical marijuana, anybody who holds a medical marijuana card, they're taking their uh, their permits, the concealed right? weapon permits. Yeah, yeah. So that's so not, a lot of people like to push through the constitutional carry thing, so they wouldn't have the ability to strip you of a right just because you want to partake in another right. Interesting. Okay, that's what constitutional carry means. Basically, it's 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 saying this trump this right trumps whatever phony baloney law you want to try and curtail with. Right. It's the complete Second Amendment shall not be infringed. Right. Because I always believed in the aspect of anyone you do not trust with a gun, don't let them walk around. Just like all these people talking like, I couldn't trust myself with a gun, then you need to be get help. You need help now. (laughs) I don't need you driving. I don't need you doing anything. Having said that phrase, I'll tell you, like, I think it is just trying to I, I used it to put off people who were very passionate about guns and mm-hmm. like knew a lot about it. And there's this thing where people get into a hobby or they get into a thing that makes up their identity and they they want everybody else to buy into it to validate them. And so like libertarians are very guilty, especially new libertarians or new Christians or new Magic the Gathering players. Like, what do you mean you don't 
what do you mean you don't understand this? You need to get this. And, like, that's why they don't like other libertarians is because it threatens that piece of their identity that makes up most of their identity. And so I think when you say when – I, when, I've, when I've made some of those excuses, it's literally because I'm just trying to put off somebody who is I'm, – I'm trying yeah. not to hurt their feelings. I'm trying to say I'm not interested, but I'm, I want to say it in a way that is not necessarily going to hurt your feelings because you're you're being a little too aggressive with yeah, it. Yeah, you're coming on too strong. Exactly mm-hmm. right. Like, I'm uncomfortable with the idea of guns, and you're very comfortable with the idea of guns, and you want me to accept your way of life, but I know you're not going to, like, give me the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and you haven't paid enough money to make me comfortable with guns. <laughs> right, yeah. Is that why you have the electric grill? Because, like, did I come on too strong with the uh, charcoal? <laughs> no, I have had it. I have <laughs> Had a gas. I have had no charcoal. I prefer, in many ways, a gas grill. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got the electric because I was very broke at the time and I wanted a grill. And the gas grill was a hundred dollars, or the electric grill was a hundred dollars. Okay, and I knew, like, okay, I could spend two hundred on the gas grill or a hundred for the charcoal. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna have to keep buying fuel, so I'll go with the electric. Come to find out. The apartment complex I'm in does not allow charcoal or gas grills. Hmm. So I call them and I say, I have an electric grill. And they said, that's fine. You can keep that because it has no flammables. Yeah, it's basically a novelty item. It's not a novelty item. Uh, you can you can ask Aaron or or I, I entertain many ladies. They've all tasted my chicken. It's delicious. Never seen any ladies here in this apartment. Um, it's true. <laughs> I meant my cats, but whatever. Can I tell you a quick sidebar before we get back to gun talk? So I'm at the pool yesterday, um, mm-hmm. but that's why I have the electric grill. Have, you, have was, you ever been invited to the pool here, Paul? No, I have not. Me either. Me Paul, either. Paul you, you can come anytime, Paul. Uh, <laughs> Harry, Saturdays between four and six. Uh, <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> uh, no, that's just the pretentious hour. Uh, so... There, we we should like film an instance of like the nosy people. Do you live here? Why are you here? <laughs> so I'm at the pool, and there is a blonde woman who, every time I'm there over the last couple of weeks, has f- tried to find a reason to talk to me. Basically, uh, sorry, I just hit my. Uh, listen, Luke, come over and taste my meat. It's not an oversized foreman grill. It's it is a regular grill. It is a heating source with a hot a hot uh, 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 fuck you. <laughs> so <laughs> so, anyways, this blonde girl's been finding a reason to try and talk to me when I go to the pool. Mm-hmm. And so yesterday I get in and we're you and me, her, her friend, and another guy, or we're all kind of chatting it up. And she's like, "Oh, hey, how are you? What's up?" And blah blah blah. And someone mentions cats. And so she looks at me and she's like, oh, do you have cats? And I was like, yeah, I've got two. Oh, yeah, I'm more of a dog person. Uh, I just, here's the reasons that I like dogs. Like, yeah, I like cats. What are your cats' names? Uh, Mittens and Muffins. Makes a grossed out face to her friend. And then not even 30 seconds is like, well, I gotta go. (laughs) Oh, man. You don't need that type of negativity anyway. So right. now you can meet, uh, if you come over, you can meet Roger and Tim. They're uh, <laughs> in the bedroom. <laughs> so it was, it was really, fu- I was like, 
listen, I get that these are really stupid names, but that's why I name them that. I don't I don't like naming pets after people. Right. Yeah. There's nothing more weird to me than like this is my dog, Eric. <laughs> First off, people. I don't know. That's, that's my brother's name, but I don't know why that just hit me so funny. A dog. <laughs> Listen, you need name. I'm naming my next pet Eric, and the other one Jessica after my after my siblings. My cat, Mister Meowington of the Castleton Meowingtons. People love Mister Meowington. Right. Okay. But you know. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a certain level of absurdity that you're allowed with a pet name. Yes. So, use it. Right. Mittens and Muffins. Uh, Stone's dog's name is Joe. Like, come on, Stone. Like, your name is Stone. I bet he lives But your with dog's Joe. name is Joe. So he sleeps with Joe. Leave what? him alone. No, but I'm saying his name's Stone. Name the dog Stone and your kid or, Joe. Or Cold. <laughs> Stone Cold. That's right. Stone Cold, uh, Stone Cold, I, I don't even know, Stone Cold Aldridge. <laughs> yes, Paul. No, but why not gravel? <laughs> <laughs> well, so you have stone, yes. Uh, all right, so back to the gun shop. Uh, so, yes, it was It was not as intimidating. So you get in there, you, you basically check in, they take your information, they, you know, sell you some you know, earmuffs, some eye protection. They rent you ear protection right. and, and eye protection for your safety. Right. And then you get your gun, you buy some ammo, and then you uh, go into this very warm room, uh, which was, it was, you know, uh, Jason was talking about, oh, it'll be, there'll be so much airflow in there, and which, you know, thermostat's at 65 right now. And uh, I thought it was very cold in there. It was 90 degrees in that room. It very was cold. Very hot. Very cold. Uh, I was sweating profusely. Just notice I'm not getting cold now. I'm drinking this coffee. I know. Well, I think the, the air is struggling a little bit, so hopefully it's not broken. The worst is when you wake up and your apartment's like 75 and you're used to 65 and you're just a puddle. Love it when it's 75. It must be terrible. It's awful. So <laughs> I... I I go in there and uh, we basically set the gun down and we we get the gun out. Mm-hmm. Jason Jason got the gun out. <laughs> I let him do all the touching mm-hmm. first. He inspects it, makes sure it's okay. Right, and then uh, then he went over the rules, which we kind of went over on the last episode on Thursday's episode on mm-hmm. on two ninety nine, and uh, basically you know keep the gun pointed that way. Don't point it back this way. Here's how you load it. Here's how here's where the safety is. Here's mm-hmm. all the features mm-hmm. of it. And I mean, these are very simple devices. If there's a safety, it's this thing slides out, you put the bullets in it, and then you slide it back in, you press this button to eject it, and then the other button makes it go bang. Yeah. That's kind of it. Put the thing in the thing, wreck the thing, bang. Right. Uh, so it is, it's it's a very simple device. And uh, then, you know, put the little thing, the, got the little target out, mm-hmm. and, then, and then put it back about 10 feet. And I got to say, Harry... What do you think of my shooting skills? I was actually impressed. Um, the one things they weren't too impressed. Mm-hmm. Um, one, was- let's start with the negative. See, we need to gr- we need to groom this out of you before uh, Gunther grows up. Start with the positive and then the negative, Harry. Give me the reasons you were impressed. And I, g- then I gave go- the impressed first. It was very <laughs> quick, though. It was very quick. And the negative. Now back to the negative. Okay. Okay. Uh, you kept crossing your thumbs. Yeah, I think you uh, stopped breathing several different times. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, how are you going to be accurate if you're breathing? 
it relaxes you. Stop you from jerking. Yeah. yeah. Once you get used to it, you're supposed to uh, basically time your breathing with your shots. Right. But that's yeah. once you're actually putting lead on paper and a little bit further down, once you're more familiar with everything. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, I felt I was very accurate. Mm-hmm. I, I started out with the twenty two. What are the guns that I shot that day? You shot, um, was that, yeah, Smith & Wesson, that twenty two. Then you moved up to my Ruger LCP 380, the 380 auto. Yeah, that, which was like that tiny little one. Tiny little one with the laser yeah. on it, which you liked. I tolerated it. Okay, which so you, you go from the twenty two, which barely has any backfire, and then you go up to the little tiny gun without like i have fat hands and then that was so small mm-hmm. that it was it was i liked the full frame of the the third gun i shot then you jumped up from that to the my glock 22 the with the 40 snw right you loved that one what does a 40 snw mean 40 it's 40 cal okay gotcha so you loved that one, but it's a full-size frame, and it's a, joy, a Glock is a joy to shoot. It, it was. It was a great gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's polymer. It's lightweight. It holds a lot of rounds in its magazine. Um, let's see. I don't think we had you look. But, well, yeah, but it was fun because when I first gave you that, I only gave because I was kind of worried with you, so I only gave you one bullet to um, be careful with because I think you actually jammed the Glock because you wasn't holding it stiff I enough. I did. And you jammed it, and we finally gave you more than one bullet. It was weird. Yeah, I know. He jammed my Glock. I'm a magician. What can I say? I have seen a YouTuber literally pull apart a Glock and shove peanut butter, honey, uh, like melted gummy bear stuff, (laughs) put it back together and fire it without it jamming. And you managed to jam it. I did. What can I say? I'm a wizard. <laughs> no, that, but basically, what happened? You just didn't. Um, the gun didn't have enough pressure. Uh, you know, palm yeah, pressure on it. So limp, limp yeah. wristed it a little bit, and yeah. it didn't have enough to work mechanically. Yeah, but the thing is, he was used to shooting the you know twenty two, the three eighty, and so that forty just got a little bit more kick to it, just a little. And then you went down to the uh, Smith and Wesson nine millimeter, which I think that's when you liked that one too. Um, this was that the the one that looked like the midnight special? No, no, it's a revolver. Say revolver. <laughs> yeah, the midnight special looking one, the one that you know, uh, the revolver basically, the, the the one that I had to like take the little spinny thing out and then put the bullets cylinder. in individual. The cylinder. Okay, yeah, yeah, the spinny thing. That was where that I liked that one, but there was a lot of kick on that one because it's an ultralight. It's an ultralight one. Okay, that what meant, does that mean? Um, it means the frames is very like shaved down, so it's lighter. Right. So it's meant to be carried, so you not you don't feel too much of its weight. Right. Now they do make a better one. Like uh, I think if you didn't like it, um, they make ones that are heavier mm-hmm. that will take a lot of the kick out. You can also get one that has a shrouded hammer. Like that one's the hammer; it's very pronounced. The shrouded hammer was my nickname in college. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't think you even like pulled the hammer back on it. Uh, I didn't. No. Yeah, because yeah, you could have pulled the hammer back on it, and it would have made it makes it easier to shoot because it takes a lot of the pressure out of the pull on the trigger. Then I shot the brother-in-law's gun, which yeah. was kind of like a poor man's Glock. Yeah, yeah, the nine millimeter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely the Glock that I shot, the big gun number mm-hmm. three, was my favorite. Uh, it's like the dating game. That was my favorite of the ones. Uh, then I would say the twenty-two was probably, but that's I think because it was comfortable. Yeah. And then I liked your your little gun, the second one I shot, the three, uh, the LCP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people like that gun. They will like they like to get the larger one with a larger frame on it than that tiny little one I have. Mm-hmm. Um, be, 
I got that one because I got a duplicate because like Lacey and I have the exact we have the exact same gun. I didn't. I mean, I guess I realized there was a laser on it. I just wasn't looking at the laser. I like to me, Jason. Like, whatever Jason said to do is whatever I did. So like, he told me to focus my eye on the end of the barrel sight. Mm-hmm. Like, don't look at the close sights. Don't look at the target. Look at the end. So like, I was just looking at that, mm-hmm. and I was lining it up as best I could. So, uh, so all right. So you wasn't looking at the laser. <laughs> I was not looking at the laser at all, no. And I, at one point, had the target back to 25 feet with that gun Mm -hmm. and was just nailing it right on the X. Which I'm shocked because the sights on that gun suck. Yeah. You know, they're the worst. And I can't believe you were using the sights on it and not the laser. All right. So, Paul, uh, let's pretend you don't know this. I'm going to show you two targets. And I want you to guess which of the two targets are mine and which are Harry's. Okay, so here's target number one. All right, so you look at this for our, our radio listeners. We've got uh, nothing. We've got, you know, the there's one, two, three, four, five, six circles. All right. And in the first circle with the X, that's where most of the bullets are, in the little white part. And then we've got some in the nine area, you know, just right outside of there. And then we've got a couple in the eight, three in the eight area. Okay, but there's none in seven. There's none on the other parts of the target. All right. And we've got this one. All right. We got uh, we got bullets all over the place. We've got, you know, most of them in the X mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a lot in the 9. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot in the 7, a lot in the, in the outer parts. There's one right up on the logo at the top of the target. It's, it's, it's all over the place. Mm-hmm. So if you were to guess which target was mine and which target was Harry's, what would you guess? Well, the uh, uneducated guess based upon first-time shooter would definitely be yours on the... Uh... Is the sloppy one. Right. Right. Wrong. I am the one that is in the uh, 9 and 10, and Harry's is the sloppy one. Harry, what do you have to say for yourself? Um, I never claimed to be a good shot. Um, my favorite Gundam it was, he- <laughs> was always heavy arms, and my thing is if you can just put rounds downfield, um, uh, it's a good day. All right, so this this target here, uh, you can see this on our YouTube channel, uh, and we'll post these photos and video of us shooting in the Facebook group. Uh, now, this is Kim Jong-un. It's like a zombie Allegedly. Kim Jong-un. Uh, there is uh, almost every shot was a headshot. I was aiming for the mouth. I got two in the heart and one in the junk. Mm-hmm. And then there's one other shot. Guess what shot was Harry's? Uh, well, based upon prior trends, the one way up. Uh, Far to the left, almost to where you clip the paper onto the lift completely away from uh, from Kim Jong-un. Very sad. That one up there is what we in the business refer to as a warning shot. Right. It's exactly right. There was that what what was that shot? Because I First was off, I was genuinely annoyed because I had such a good piece of paper going and I was like this looks great and then Harry walks up, shoots a gun and nails it like so far away from the target. Mission and, accomplished. And I was like you ruined my paper. First off, this is right after he jammed my Glock. Okay? <laughs> All right, let's get that straight. All right. And then I wanted to make sure, you know, like, to make sure the gun was firing right. So I put one end to it, and then I fired. And I meant to put that shot there, 
to not to ruin his group because that's always his grouping. I don't want to like boom, but a big massive Porteous and W hole through that sucker. All right, so you were it was very thoughtful of yeah. you. Yeah, but uh, no, yeah. I saw. I was like, I immediately started giggling, and Jason goes, "What?" And I go. Well, it's, this is a great opportunity for me to troll. <laughs> Content. <laughs> exactly right, yeah. But put it up there on purpose. But I use a Glock because I'm also, I, I'm, I will admit, I'm a terrible shot. That's why I use a Glock. Right. So what what does grouping mean? Because people keep saying grouping to me when I had posted the photos, and I don't know what that means. Okay, so basically, uh, like, what diameter circle you can draw around to include every shot. Right, okay. Yeah. So basically, it's a measure of how accurate you were. When you get a mommy, da- mommy bullet and a daddy bullet, and they get they really love each other. Okay. So I would say on the Kim Jong Un, it's pretty much six inches. I mean, within a six inch cir- circumference is kind of where. In the second round of shooting that I did with a bunch of guns, including twenty five feet with that small gun, mm-hmm. and it was around six inches. So is that good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a first time, like what what would be considered. Like, I don't expect six inches, well, some would expect six, in, six inches to be good, but uh, maybe not over at Chateau Price. Um, what What is, like, what's kind of like the B? If you were getting a B in shooting class, what would your grouping inch be? Well, it really depends upon the application that you're going for. Uh, mm-hmm. I know people that want, like, at a hundred yards with a hunting rifle, a less than three inch group. Gotcha. Yeah. So, you know, for self defense at twenty five feet for some of your shots, getting it within six inches, that's fantastic. That's right. dead center mass. That's gonna be every shot on target. Mm-hmm. And I imagine you improve over time, like your grouping, that sort of thing improves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all about practice and muscle memory, and mm-hmm. eventually getting to the point where you don't necessarily need to focus on the sides. You just know where the bullet's going to go yeah. in relationship to how you're holding yourself. Hmm. Yeah, you can feel it. And then it'll go all out the window when your adrenaline's really start pumping. So that's, and then you'll have to train that. That's sort of the, yeah, that's sort of to me, like <sighs> I got the concentration part down. Like I was able to just mm-hmm. focus on what I was doing. And I think that's why for a first timer, I was genuinely like surprised uh, because I thought I would be much worse than I would be well, than I was. I I didn't find it to be that hard. I guess is the way to put it. Like you just kind of focus on what you're doing. You pay attention to what people are telling you, and then you just execute. But if I were in a situation where somebody were running after me, or I were in the dark, and I was in a situation with adrenaline, I think it'd be completely different than the experience that I had at a gun range. Well, you just use your gun like a staple gun at that point. Right. Then you don't have to worry about missing. You just unload. Yeah, staple gun. Right. Pow, 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 pow. (laughs) Contact. Right. (laughs) Right. Just stop them. Okay. Um... What what of the guns that I shot? What is kind of the most common caliber? Most common gun? I mean, are pistols more common than rifles? Yes. Are twenty twos more common than thirty eights? Like, what's the the common gun? So yeah, definitely the nine millimeter yeah. is the most common round. Uh, a lot of law enforcement uses it. A lot of civilians use it for personal mm-hmm. uh, defense. Uh, I think about the second most popular would be the. I don't know if you shot any forty five. Uh yeah, the forty yeah, forty five and forty would be the right to the two seconds. Now, what's like the, the size difference of the bullet between forty five and nine millimeter? 
Like it's a significant because what I saw in the twenty two, the forty five, the thirty eight, like none of those seemed all that different. Like the twenty twos were definitely smaller, mm-hmm. but between the other calibers I shot, they didn't look all that different. Well, like they also started to inch up. I don't think you really looked at like because uh, when you went from the twenty two to the the three eighty. It did inch up, all, you know, just a little yeah. bit, and right. then you moved up to like nine millimeter, which is close to that, and then the thirty-eight special, and then you did the forty-eight. They all, you just kept seeing them in such small progression. But other thing that, but a lot of people are expecting like massive bullets for some reason out of handguns, right? Which that most people when they see that massive bullet like to hang out there, like this is the what they're shooting. Usually those are rifle rounds. Mostly that is just cartridge, not bullet. Right. Gotcha. You know, uh, which we, you know, we should have took you to the rifle range. You actually could fire like a rifle to understand like this is what a rifle bullet is. Mm. That's all it is. Yeah, it would have been fun. Yeah, um, you can always go back. There was only one one incident. Well, there are two that maybe you didn't notice. Well, they're tied together actually. Uh, oh, okay. So this is you know a nice little chart here. So the forty five is the fattest, and then down a bit is the Smith and Wesson forty, and then the nine millimeter Luger. Yeah, they don't they don't look terribly different. The forty five is much bigger than the forty and the nine millimeter, but the nine millimeter and forty kind of look the same. Mm-hmm. But okay, yeah, yeah you can just kind of Google an image of that if you want. Yeah, it's all about mass, but for uh, most handgun rounds, it's more about the amount of powder you can put behind the round. Gotcha. So there was only one incident where everybody freaked out, and uh, I was shooting the twenty two early on, and I was wearing shorts, and uh, a round shot up, bounced off the wall, and landed on my ankle, and started burning, mm-hmm. and I so I was like, I'll just let that go, and then it got hot, <laughs> and then I went to kick it off, and the and I had the gun as I was shooting it I wasn't shooting it as I was lowering it but I just shot it so the safety wasn't on and I like pointed the started to point the gun down as I started to like shake it off and all three of you immediately went whoa 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 <laughs> which if that was the cause for freak out that's relatively and minor you saw he the, sweeped I, his leg okay <laughs> on, on and then he started to point yeah and you saw the photo on Instagram. I posted the picture on my Instagram, C Spangle, and what does it look like? It is a very good impression of a uh, spent casing. Yeah, it is. It looks like a little bullet. Uh, I I don't know if I'm flexible enough to show you, Harry, but but uh, here I'll just show you the picture because it's it's really well defined. But yeah, you can see it on uh, in, on the uh, the old Instagram. I'll post that with the videos and the oh, everything st- else in the group. Stone's uh, coming up to live here finally. No, he's just coming up. Look at look at the impression of that. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a tiny rocket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. That's either a bullet casing or a poor BP um, tattoo. Yes. <laughs> so it's a baby sperm. Um, but I, overall, I, I felt that after I left, I was far less intimidated by guns, having shot one. And I just was thinking, driving home, like, I wish everybody could have that experience because I think people would be far less freaked out by the whole gun debate if they actually shot one, mm-hmm. you know, because it at no point did I feel unsafe in any way, shape, or form. At no point did I feel that I was in any danger whatsoever. At no point did I act with 
with carelessness, except for the part where I was getting a third degree burn on my leg. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it was just uh, it was a really good experience, and I learned a lot. And I think Jason, especially for being the impetus for doing that, uh, and for being a really good instructor. Um, and I just I had a great time doing it. I thought it was a really good experience, and I think you know everybody should do it. I mean, I do. I think I'm going to buy a gun. I don't, I don't know. I I'm not opposed to it now. Like having before, I would have told you absolutely not. I will not buy a gun. I don't know what I'm doing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's it, it, you just didn't have any awareness or uh, cognizance of what it would take to own a gun. But now having gone and spending three hours with people who know about guns at a gun store shooting guns, I have an awareness of what it would take to own a gun safely. You know, uh, I probably won't just for the simple fact that I don't need another damn hobby that's going to cost me $150 a week. Unless we you know? get a gun sponsorship, which you, uh, if you're interested, editor at Wheeler. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 but I certainly would not be opposed to it. And I don't think that it is even that really that expensive. Like, I just know myself that I'd like, I get this thing and then I needed to buy all the things for it. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. No, but, you can get the guns very inexpensively, especially if yeah. you know what you want to do. But I feel if I wanted a weapon for 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 safety reasons, for mm-hmm. instance, I could spend $300 on a gun. Mm-hmm. I could probably buy a round of bullets that's going to last me, or what is it called? What are you laughing? <laughs> round of bullets. A, a round of, box of bullets, or whatever you call it. <laughs> uh, and then, like, a thing to keep it in, and maybe a safe, and you'd mm-hmm. probably be, you could do it for under 500 bucks. Yep. You know, not notwithstanding, you know, the taxes and the trainings and all that stuff. But uh, well, actually, you know, I think a nice Mazenegant, a case of ammo. He does not need a stupid naga- Mosin. Is he that needs- like Magami cables? Uh, what no. Magami night? Uh, no, cheap uh, Russian World War One surplus. Okay. <laughs> I, do bullets go bad? I I don't know. No, not if they take care of them. Yeah, they're sealed in metal cases, and yeah. you know you can buy an entire case of ammo uh, for like a hundred bucks, and that's like a thousand rounds. It's a lot. Your geese wouldn't give you problems anymore. <laughs> you listen. Tell the people what a shot I am with a slingshot at the geese. Uh, quite impressive. That had to have been at least uh, 75. 75 f- feet? No, oh, 75 yards, man. 75 yeah, yards? You, okay. You landed a solid hit. Yeah. That, that He was flapping his wing. He was, he was, I, I might have messed him up a little bit. I, same way, like, you get punched in the arm. If right. You're flexing your arm because it's like. What the fuck, dude? Why'd you hit me? That's why I, yeah, right. That's why I like the slingshot with the glass balls that you, you know, like little half inch glass balls. I don't even think they might be half inch because you're not going to kill the thing. You're just going to freak them out enough that they fly away. Even the, even the, the BB gun is a little too intense, but I live right out my back porch is a, a big lake. And so these things just come and they just crap everywhere and they're nuisances. The ducks are kind of even getting on my nerves at this point. But so you just take the take a couple rounds of the uh, slingshot ammo, and you just kind of move them on their way in a very non-threatening way. Uh, but I'm getting good. I can I can hit hundred hundred yards easy. I can hit you a goose right on the head. 
I'm become that practice this summer. I think a good gun for deer leader would be a nice youth shotgun. <laughs> Something that it could shoot one handed while calling the police. Because, um, you know. Well, that point, just get them like a Taurus judge or something. Nah, nah, nah. Um, the, the walls here are way too thin. And, um, well, get it with a birdshot load. <laughs> destroy his books. He'll be I mean, very upset. He blows to a book. At the be... point that he's pulled a gun, he's already going to be pretty upset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why are you here? It's 630. You're not supposed to be here this early for a podcast. <laughs> Meaning Stone was... says birds have hollow bones. You could actually break them. D- did you hear the thud on that goose? It... They also have flight feathers that support their entire weight that sh- cushion any blow. Trust so. me, I, I am not harming any geese. He saw me hit the third one I've ever hit. They just, <laughs> they hit, it hits the water. Just, just wait till you get here. You'll, you'll find out. Exactly. <clears throat> come, come on over. Just stand out there and watch. Yeah. Uh, so. Once you can't breathe from the, 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 they're just a nuisance. Right. They're, they affect our health. Okay. You can hit a goose. I hit one goose broadside, twenty five yards, and it just went thud. And the goose looked at me <laughs> like it didn't even <laughs> flinch. So these things are so well built. Yeah, unfortunately, God really did a good job with those things. Yeah, <laughs> until it comes to a mid sized sedan or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Buick. You would have to have a Chrysler three hundred to kill one of these damn things. <laughs> Was that you? Uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, I, I make no uh, promises, no bones about it. So, uh, so yeah, I, I I say everybody find one of your gun friends, go shooting for a day. You'll be better for it. And take a uh, also take a gun safety class. Even if you have like you've taken the class before, it's been a few years. Take a refresher course. It's fun. Stone says, oh, my cousins have killed a squirrel with a slingshot. I would never fire at a rabbit or a squirrel or any. They're tiny and fragile. A goose is eight times the size of a squirrel. And annoying. Right. Like, get out of here with your stuff. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. and you're using tiny ceramic, you know. I mean, glass balls, yeah. Yeah, they're not, that's not the weight that would be required to kill it, something. It hits it hits the water a half a foot away from these things and then they go wah, 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 wah. So yeah, and, if I, and honestly if I killed a goose I would not feel bad about it. If I killed a duck I'd feel terrible. Like there was a that's little a, bait. That's the sucky thing about it. You kill them you can't even eat them. They're right. awful. They're gross birds. Yeah. They're just air rats. Yeah. They're just rats and they have right. no yeah and we have to suffer through them because somebody thinks they're awesome. I say we reintroduce their more predators of theirs into the wild and get rid of them. All right. So speaking of guns, so I have the week off, which is why you're getting four podcasts this week. Uh, the great interview last night with the uh, the head of the Libertarian Christian Institute. Just listening about that today. Christianity and libertarianism. I thought that went really well. Tomorrow, a regular episode again. We're going to be talking about the Russia stuff, and then on Thursday, tentatively, we've got it scheduled uh, from the swamp episode two. Um, so, uh, yesterday I was just watching TV, kind of lounging around and I logged into my brother's Showtime account, uh, to watch the circus. <laughs> and before I got there, I saw that Sasha Baron Cohen has a, uh, a new show and I love Sasha Baron Cohen. Like to me, Andy Kaufman and like Borat, I think is the funniest movie ever made. It's just my sense of humor 
is like when people can't tell what's real or not, I think it's hilarious. Like, I wasn't actually mad about the coffee maker earlier. It's just acting. It's comedy. Um, I, I think it's a great thing that Jason Doolittle got Harry a coffee maker. But it's not it's not funny if I say that. Yeah, I have to be irritated. And if you believe that I might be irritated, then uh, it's very few times that I'm actually mad. But anyways, that's my sense of humor. I just, like, Andy Kaufman, to me, if you don't know who that is, go back and research Andy Kaufman. Hilarious stand-up in the 70s faked everybody out completely. I think Sasha Baron Cohen is hysterical, and he's got this new Showtime show where he's basically... I didn't like it as much. I think it's a little kind of predictable and hacky in a lot of ways, and kind of... You can see the bad editing on it, but he is trying to be political and doing politics and you know, going undercover. He interviewed Bernie Sanders in this episode as like an old redneck about healthcare, and it was just kind of silly and pointless. Um, the... Uh, who else? There was one skit that was pretty funny where he was like a super liberal person hanging out with Christian conservatives and he was just saying like talking about free bleeding on the flag and like just really weird liberal stuff. And then there was another character that was like a, an ex-Israeli Mossad agent talking about guns and like, of course, like he doesn't think that uh, teachers should be armed. The kids should have guns. You know, it's like, okay, all right. We see the predictable reversal. And sometimes I don't, because I work in the comedy industry, I don't know if I'm like thinking this is hacky because it's such a predictable thing mm -hmm. because of what I do or if it just is. So he has this like 10 minute skit, which you can find on YouTube. I'll put in the show links uh, so you can actually see this for yourself. Um, it's on the Showtime. Uh, YouTube channel called Who is America 2018 First Look Sasha Baron Cohen Showtime Series and he is this Mossad agent and he's talking to somebody and then they come up with this commercial Kindergartians How to Protect Your Preschool Shalom children, my name is Ran Morad I here to show you that guns when used responsibly with training from grown-ups can help keep you safe in your school here to help teach you is Philip Van Cleef. Not every strange man you meet gonna be friendly and non-threatening like me. Today we're gonna teach you how you can stop these naughty men and have them take a long nap. That's right, and that's why you're going to meet a friend of mine. His name is Papi Pistol. Now, Philip, will you show us it's basically a stuffed animal on top of a Glock. <laughs> to feed him, take his lunchbox and push it into his tummy like this. Just remember to point Puppy Pistol's mouth right at the middle of the bad man. If he has a big fat tummy, point at that. <laughs> Great. <laughs> it's fun. Okay. Puppy Pistol is part of a whole group of new friends that your parents can get you called Gunimals. Wouldn't you love to meet this little gunny rabbit? He's ready to put the naughty man on a very long time out. How about the magical Uzicorn? Well, this is one for the girls. It's a lovely little unicorn that you can play with. Dino Gun can stop an entire crowd of bad men. 
And Tots, you gotta learn that Dino Gun eats and spits his candy really, really fast. Rocky Chip RPG will take you to the moon. Or rather, the bad guys are going to the moon if they attack your school with a truck full of big, scary fireworks. And introducing BFF, a starter gun for infants 24 months and under. BFF is so easy to fire, even a baby can use it. BFF wants to help you. Pull the string on a bad guy. Make bang. So basically, you pull the string and it shoots bullets out of the mouth. Bang. Aim at the head, shoulders, not the toes, not the toes. Fire! Head, shoulders, not the toes, not the toes. Fire! Eyes, ears, and belly, and nose. Head, shoulders, not the toes, not the toes. Fire! Now that I had a common sense training video, it was time to take it to the nation's capital. I just arrived in Washington to see if someone would back my kindergarten's program. I needed to find politicians who would fight for the Second Amendment right of toddlers to bear firearms at preschool. So I met with lobbyist Larry Pratt, director of Gun Owners of America, which have 1.5 million brave members. The evil's in our hearts, not in the guns. Do you think the liberals are using these school shootings to further their anti-tragedy agenda? They're trying, but it's, it's not that hard to find a student who does think that way because that's what they're being taught in the schools. We actually found out that in schools, it's not only important to arm the teachers, it's important to arm certain gifted children. Oh, that's great. We tra- this is the head of the Gun Owners of America. Okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is just... Oh. ...from 16-year-old uh, up to four years old. This segment of the conversation would absolutely cause heads to explode here in this country. Why? Because they will be shot? Or? Uh, because <laughs> that they're, uh, they're so prejudiced against young people having guns, and especially in a school. The only thing that stops a bad man with a gun is a good boy with a gun. Yeah, uh, even a good toddler. Exactly. A toddler, really. The great thing about toddlers is they don't have any fear of guns. This fear is really given to you by the media. That's a good point. Well, if they hear somebody uh, shouting, Allahu Akbar, they're likely to instinctively go for that gun. We had one problem with this. There was a Muslim gardener who was praying and he said, Allahu Akbar, and he got got shot. (laughs) Praying in... Pray in secret. <laughs> Women need a gun, you know. Um, my wife. She let me had- let me just say because there are people. Are, oh, selective editing. I'm a professional video editor. There were no selective edits. Like the the guy. Oh, pray in secret. Like at every point in this video, the he is not editing to make them look bad. They're doing it themselves. Like you're you're arming toddlers. Okay. Uh, I have a gun. It's so bad, I almost have to wonder if he knew, like, like, there was something up and he was just playing along with it. It's the only explanation for arming toddlers. And uh, she shot me once. You know, what can I do? I get horny in the middle of the night. His wife. But it's not uh, rape if it's your wife, eh? (laughs) They shake hands and laughing. Right, right. That probably won't be on the uh, uh, video we send to the Hill. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) What do I need in order to introduce this program into America? There are a few members of Congress that I think would be 
as receptive to what you're doing as I have been, I'd be very happy to see if we could get them interested to set some time aside. Great. Let's see if we can stop these anti-gun people from getting everyone killed. Yeah, yeah, they've got blood on their hands. Now that I had this prat on board, I was welcomed into the halls of Congress, where I sat down with a House representative and outlined my common sense proposal. Oh, the, the you want me to say on... Matt Gates from Florida? Television that I support three- and four-year-olds with firearms? Is that what you're asking me to do? Uh, yes. Hmm. You can do Typically, members of Congress don't just hear a story about a program and then indicate whether they support it or not. I support the kindergartens program. We in America would be wise. So basically, Matt Gates says, you want me to say on television that I support arming toddlers. The next voice you hear is Tent Trent Lott, former Senate Majority Leader. ...to implement it, too. It's something that we should think about in America, about putting guns in the hands of law-abiding citizens, good guys, whether they be teachers or whether they actually be uh, talented children or highly trained preschoolers. Maybe having... Dana Rohrbacher. May young people trained and understand how to defend themselves in their school might actually make us safer here. A three-year-old cannot defend itself from... Joe Wilson from South Carolina. A assault rifle by throwing a Hello Kitty pencil case at it. Our founding fathers did not put an age limit on the Second Amendment. The intensive three-week kindergarten course introduces specially selected children from 12 to 4 years old to pistols, rifles, semi-automatics, and a rudimentary knowledge of mortars. In less than a month, less than a month, a first grader can become a first grenader. Toddlers are pure, uncorrupted by fake news or homosexuality. They don't worry if it's politically correct. Toddlers are... I kind of stepped on that. This is the head of the Gun Owners of America, Larry Pratt. Pure, uncorrupted by fake news or homosexuality. They don't worry if it's politically correct to shoot a mentally deranged gunman. They'll just do it. The science behind this program is proven. At age four, a child processes images 80% faster than an adult, meaning that essentially, like owls, they can see in slow motion. <laughs> Children under five also have elevated levels of the pheromone Blink-182, produced by the part of the liver known as the Rita Aura. This allows nerve reflexes to travel along the Cardi B neural pathway to the Wiz Khalifa 40% faster. Saving time and saving lives. When it comes to the safety of our children... The way to stop a bad guy with a gun... Is a good kid with a gun. A good kid with a gun. A good child with a gun. Happy shooting, kids. I need a hospital. Uh, So... I'm, I'm, I heard that you were going to sit in front of CNN for 16 hours, but I thought even you are not that stupid. Even before. All right. So we'll play Joe Walsh's explanation here in just a moment. I've not seen this, but I, I really genuinely want to hear because that was not selective editing. If you watch the video, you can very clearly see that these intelligent men who are in Congress are sitting in front of a camera mm-hmm. reading off of a teleprompter, presumably based on what you see in Larry Pratt's glasses arming toddlers and grenades for children and you're just like are you kidding i my mouth was hanging open and you just go how did he get four or five congressmen to 
to do that when Matt Gates was the only intelligent one who went. He, he didn't even say like, "I'm go, I'm not I'm gonna not gonna arm toddlers." He was like, "I'm not gonna put that on tape." But I, I listen. I know my experience of a gun with with guns is uh, roughly an hour at this point. Mm-hmm. But having that experience the other day, I see the responsibility that it takes, the uh, care that you have to have, and to put guns in the hands of toddlers. Like, why, if you were a congressman, would you not look at that and go, are you crazy? (laughs) Because what this does is this does such a disservice to gun owners. They gave Sasha Baron Cohen exactly what he was looking for, which was... Useful idiots to make gun owners look irresponsible with their firearms, and to and it wasn't selective editing. Like they just handed them a script, and these dum dums read it verbatim into the camera. Like, mm-hmm. what were they thinking? I mean, would you? You know, Gunther's nearly a toddler. You, get, you letting her handle a gun? Oh, she's been handling a gun before we let her out of the Niku, uh, personally. <laughs> um, you know, don't want anyone to kick the door in there and uh, her to be unarmed. Right. Um, you know, you know sh- showed her how to, you know, when you pull it out of the diaper, you clear the feeding tube, okay, <laughs> out of the way, and then you pull. Right. Uh, no, no, honestly, yeah, yeah, it was, oh, that's just, yeah. I mean, as a resp- as a responsible gun owners, that should drive you crazy. It it, it does, and it it does. Um, other thing is, could have been a selective editing, yeah, because we've seen the Daily Show do stuff like that. But usually, it's more obvious, right? It's very clear that there's. I mean, so people on my Facebook were just like, they were not arguing that it's inappropriate for toddlers to have guns, or that this made gun owners look irresponsible. They immediately went after Sasha Baron Cohen, yeah. and it's like that's the wrong response, yeah. because that's giving the left. Like, when people on your side do things like this, you have to say to your side, this is unacceptable. Like, not that you were reading this, but that you think this. Mm -hmm. Like, you're making us all look bad. What are you thinking? Really bad. Well, I mean, I really want to believe that it was a joke that they were were just treating it all as a joke, Mm -hmm. Uh, given that it was after the gentleman from the Gun Owners Association... Of America, uh, less likely once you have that many Congress people. But then again, right. these are also Congress people we're talking about. They read what's in front of them and don't think too much anymore. Right. Um, go ahead. Uh, yeah. No. I, I. I mean, I could see just as damning things being put out by somebody else. This is completely asinine. I mean, it was hilarious. Uh, no, absolutely I mean, You hilarious. guys were laughing. All, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it's hilarious. It's I good satire. Yeah. So here's, let's hear Joe Walsh's explanation of this. He's one of the congressmen. Oh, yes. He's from Illinois who's in this. Uh, I've not listened to this, but it's Michael Smirconish, who I really like, and I know he's going to ask fair and balanced questions. So here we go. And my next guest, Joe Walsh, the former Illinois congressman turned radio host. So, Congressman, what was the setup in your case? Hey, Michael, good to be with you. And and look, let me say at the outset, I think Sasha, I I think Sasha Baron Cohen's a funny guy. I thought Borat was hilarious. But look, in my case, (laughs) like in a lot of the cases, he's a funny guy because he gets people to say stupid things. He gets people to say stupid things because he lies to them. 
In my case, he flew me out to Washington, D.C. They knew I was a big supporter of Israel's, and they presented me with this award as one of Israel's greatest friends. Found out later the whole thing was a ruse, and it was a ruse probably just to get me to say some stupid things. So they give you the award, and, and then what? There was some aspect of this where it dealt with Israel using kids to protect itself against terror? Yeah, Michael, it was just crazy. Look, he, they flew me out to D.C. They put me up in a hotel. They put me in a limo. They, they sent me off to this studio in Virginia. Again, all under the lie that I was getting an award from some Israeli TV station because I'm a great supporter of Israel. So after they conducted an interview, they, they had me read off of a teleprompter talking about some of the innovative products that Israel's invented. And, and then they had me read about this four-year-old child in Israel who, when a terrorist entered his classroom, somehow he grabbed the terrorist's gun and held the terrorist at bay. And, and that was, a, a, I guess, an example of how Israel trains and arms preschool kids on how to use firearms. And boy, shouldn't we do that in America? And so I'm reading this, Michael, off of a teleprompter, and I'm thinking to myself, well, this is kind of crazy, but it is Israel, and <laughs> Israel's strong on defense. Um, we found out the whole thing was made up. There is no TV station. There was no award. And it's pretty clear that, that Sasha Baron Cohen wanted me to say something pretty crazy about guns, like in America, we ought to arm preschool kids. Did an alarm go off in your head, Congressman? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it did. But again, Michael, it, it was too late because I, I, I was in the middle of this 15-minute thing talking about all the great things Israel does. So the alarm went off, but the alarm really went off about 3 o'clock that next morning when I said, oh, my God, I've been duped. And then we right. hired an attorney. We looked into it. And it, we found out pretty quickly that it was this new special on Showtime that he was producing, Sasha was producing. And we found out, as you said, Michael, I wasn't alone. Dick Cheney, Sarah Palin, a bunch of us were duped. So, so relative to Governor Palin, I mean, look, I, I feel like when I watch it, I am going to have a laugh at your expense, and nobody seems to have gotten you hurt. You will. But the Palin, <laughs> the Palin thing is really troublesome to me, because on her Facebook page, Governor Palin said that Sasha Baron Cohen posed as a disabled veteran, Ooh. had heavily disguised himself as a disabled U.S. veteran, fake wheelchair and all. I mean, come on. If there's a line, surely that's over it. Sasha Baron Cohen responded. He said something like, the only service I said I was in was the United Parcel Service. I guess we're going to have to wait and see. But react to what you've heard about the Palin episode. Well, and, and Michael, good point. And that's part of why I came out this past week, because I do think he crossed the line with Sarah Palin. Look, again, he's a funny guy, and what he did to me was funny, and I'll probably end up looking pretty stupid, but that's okay. I'm a big boy. But you impersonate a disabled veteran, he did cross a line. And I think Sarah Palin, Michael, was right to call him out. Again, he's got a right to do it. But I like the fact that in this world now, Sarah Palin and others like myself, we're, we're pushing back just so people, when they go into it, and as you said, Michael, we'll probably all have a good laugh tomorrow night, but people need to know the truth. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't have let him off. I mean, hearing the explanation, I'm completely wrong. And so is Sasha Baron Cohen. Like, that, it, it, he shouldn't have, oh, well, there's, he crossed the line when uh, he posed as a disabled veteran. Like, cut the bullshit about the veterans. Like, what he did to Joe Walsh was wrong. Like what? Right. He, the what? Well, the, the way that he framed that and the way that he set that up, like it's social engineering. It, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, he fish. He got fished for his password, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, that's that to me. Like, right. well, he put him in an inescapable situation. Is like, how do I, like, you know? Oh, they're giving me an award now. They want me to say this stuff. Eh, I mean, have a backbone for one, and don't say really stupid things. Uh, right, and two, you know, do some research before accepting your awards. Yeah, uh, that wouldn't be too difficult to manage. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I I mean, quick Duck Duck Go search. <laughs> right. What's his radio station? Right. What's the TV station? What's the award yeah. that I'm getting? See if they actually do exist because they're not going to be on you know the Google machine or the Duck Duck Go machine. Yeah, it makes you wonder. Like when you do talk to like. Most stars and stuff like that, the reason why they make you go through like their handlers and stuff like that, right. and like seem like it seems like all the ones that are getting touched are the ones that are wanting to be more closer to people. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, there there is a really um, tough line, and I don't know where that line is. But you look at people like Michelle Wolf. You look at people like uh, Samantha B. Basically, Comedy Central is. If nobody's calling it Comedy Central, I want credit for that. But Comedy Central has basically just turned into a bastion of the left where it's just cheap Trump jokes. Showtime, I think, has some just, like, rip-off of... Uh, do you remember the Little Bush show? It was Not just the mm-hmm. Lil' Bush show, but also when the um, the South Park guys did a Bush TV show mm-hmm. uh, on Comedy yeah. Central that was really funny. Uh, they're, they're, it's, like, Trump jokes are so cheap and easy to me, it's hack at this point. And punching down at Republicans, it's such a, like, it's so boring to me. Uh, And I don't think they realize the backfire that that's going to happen. Like, it's, I look at this and I go, okay, yeah, he's a comedian, but you also do bear some responsibility, like, from a journalistic angle. You know, having worked in journalism and having worked in comedy, I look at it and politics I look at it and go, you do bear some societal responsibility for the things that come out of your mouth. Because you're not in a dark nightclub with 30 people where you're just trying to entertain the crowd with jokes. What you're trying to do is make a political point using entertaining tactics. That, And then when, when people say what you're doing is inappropriate, you cry, I'm a comedian! Like... I'm sorry that doesn't let you off the hook for having some responsibility. Like, what you did is you just you just fooled me. You fooled other people. Like, for the sake of influencing political discourse in a way that is... It, like, to me, it's, it's unfair and unseemly, and it's lying. Like, I don't like to be manipulated. And I feel like having now heard the explanation, because hearing... Seeing his face, as Joe Walsh outlined that... Listening to his words, he sounded genuine in the setup. He had photos that you didn't see uh, because you'd heard the explanation of the award of him at the TV station. Uh, so I believe his explanation. Mm-hmm. What Sasha Baron Cohen is doing is manipulation and it's propaganda in the name of humor, and that's not comedy. Like, comedy is very different than what 
he and The Daily Show and Samantha Bee now are trafficking in. Right. Yeah. And it's manipulation in the name of comedy, in the name of entertainment, in the name of propaganda. Right. It's, it, right. It's very irresponsible to manipulate somebody into a position where they don't feel like they can't say what you put on the teleprompter in front of them. Right. And then parade that around as their genuinely held position. Is there some responsibility of Joe Walsh, like Matt Gates clearly said, I'm not going to say it on the television. Oh, absolutely. Now, that was a different situation because the guy, the character, Sasha, was in the office of Matt Gates, whereas with Joe Walsh, he was in like a TV studio. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Trent Lott and some of the others were in their offices. So each one of these situations could be totally different. But but yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm correcting the record from based on what I said 20 minutes ago. Like after hearing the explanation, like uh, it's totally inappropriate. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't just, you just don't get to like lie and manipulate like that. Like that's not that's no matter how much I have respect as I have for him as a comedian. Like now, now you look at it and you go, what the? Well, yeah, because usually when you see something like that, like um, like a uh, episode of Jackass, right? Right. Afterwards, right? They stop and like, haha! Is this is this is the joke? This is where you're coming in. They kind of like they show the person. They bring the person out. Out of the way. This is more of like they did it, and then now we're going to cut it, release it, and you you have no way to defend yourself. You can't even laugh it off in front of anyone, right? You know, and they're defending it. That's that's the issue with it. It'd be different if they were like, ha ha, that's the joke. Look at what we just did. Like, and you see, you know, uh, um, Larry Pratt there laughing. I can't believe they just did that. It was right. You know, it was hilarious. You're having fun but we don't see that sure you know we just see you know oh you just made fun of a 60 plus year old man that's why i think like the impractical jokers everybody loves that show because Mm -hmm. it's four childhood friends busting balls on each other and like pranking each other Mm -hmm. and you know it's all in totally good fun and like i've always said that like when people it's like the fight that roger and i had roger thought that was great content and i go roger that's not good content it's only good content if people think that we actually have a respect for each other mm-hmm. when people think that we're actually fighting we're actually mad at each other then it's not good content right because that was a literal legitimate fight like that's not good content me and harry bickering over a coffee machine mm-hmm. is good content because people fundamentally know that harry and i respect each other and then it's for fun. Yeah, and I was going to use my coffee maker regardless. But <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, man. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's it, like I I don't know. I just don't have the stomach for that kind of manipulation. Well, yeah, anyway, the impractical jokers. The only people who get hurt in that show are them. Right. They only go after themselves. Granted, they bring people in on it, but. It's to attack each other. Right. They don't go after anyone else, and they're all laughing and having a good time about it, and they showcase all of that, and like they're still, f- and they show that, like, hey, we're still friends. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, because it'd be different. It's like, man, if, you know, you see someone like stomp off, you know? Right. It's like, okay, that wasn't cool. Yeah. You so know? I just, you know, and I, and I get like Borat, the whole deal was always making people look stupid. And humiliation, but maybe I'm just growing up and changing. But I still thought it was hilarious I, when I watched it. But. I never thought Borat was was funny. But well, LG you're kind of hilarious. Palis- you're a Philistine then, but I did well, love um, the dictator. I thought that was hilarious. Though. I don't think I've ever saw that one. I saw the uh, I saw Bruno, and I didn't think that one was nearly as good. That I was. It was funny when like they had to sit on the the Mexicans like. People are so nice, and I noticed this in the in this new show. People are so polite. 
They're one of the characters on this new show on Showtime is a woman who runs an art gallery and the guy uses his bodily fluids as an artist as a as a palette, basically. And the woman is just holding his art and like at one point he's making a paintbrush out of pubes and she's like, Do you want some? And like she cuts out like she goes she's so nice to this guy. Like she just goes to the end of the earth to people please this person and I don't know, is he's taking advantage of people's good nature to make them look dumb. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe I'm not as much of a fan as I thought. I guess I, I should have known better. Coming from where I do, nothing is real. <laughs> like yeah. you know, like uh, nothing that you see on television is real at all, oh. ever. Yeah, sorry. All right, let's start wrapping up. Final thoughts for this episode. Let's start with Harry. First off, I'd like to thank uh, Jason Doolittle for the uh, coffee maker. It has made my night better. Um, it's um, it's amazing. Are you tearing up? Are you crying? <laughs> glad to have coffee here. It's yeah. great. Um, the one thing with the guns, I'm glad you enjoyed guns. I would gladly, I want to take you back going to let you try out rifles. Um, maybe we'll do that when Stone or Craig DaCosta comes up. We could go rifle shooting. Yeah. You know, or maybe we can um, talk to somebody, maybe, um, go up to the fish, uh, the, uh, with the, the, the skeet and go skeet shooting. Mm-hmm. Of course, I don't know if I want to trust you with a shotgun. Uh, skeet shooting is that the one where I like use the skis and I'm skiing from location to location? Is that what no? Skeet? That would be uh, biathlon. I yeah, believe. It's a biathlon. Oh, okay. yeah. I, and I'm not doing no, no, that. No, no, That's I'm, too I'm, cold for I'm that. I'm straight. No biathlon for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's too cold for that for me. Um, that's the one where you get the clay pigeons. They go up in the air and you get two shots. Oh, okay. Gotcha. All right. Yeah, I had a great time, and yeah, my birthday, September 9th is my birthday, and we're, uh, uh, we usually have a party. I Hopefully, Jer has it at his house this year. Uh, probably asked for one too many public apologies, to be honest. Um, but uh, Lil, Lil Stone, Stone Aldridge, super fan Stone's going to come up. We're trying to twist uh, Samantha Samantha's arm to bring him up. Uh, she's, she's, I got her considering it, so I think we may get Stone up here. Very excited to see both of them. Uh, so it's going to be quite the bash. You know, he's young and attractive. He can most definitely hitchhike most of the way here and get within range for me to go pick him up. I don't want Stone to lose his innocence on the account to a trucker on account of my birthday. Stuck on I seventy four, right? With a man named Phil, just touching every part of Little Stone. Uh, so. Yeah, I uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, that'll be that'll be a lot of time. The, the another birthday bash for Dear Leader. It's going mm-hmm. to be quite the affair. Now I have to figure out where we're going to have it. Now that I, I was just like, yeah, I'll I'll tell people to come in for my birthday, and I have absolutely nothing planned. Uh, Stone can drive; he just can't come alone. So if you live in the Atlanta area, Stone Stone, uh, you can drive with Stone. Um, Otherwise, he gets grounded by his mom. If he has a chauffeur's <laughs> license, you can drink in his back seat, so it could be one <laughs> long liberty and chill. Right. Um, all right. Other thoughts? Um, I do always like to recommend, like some people who just want that at-home weapon to you know, protect them house. I love the youth shotgun because it's you can shoot it one-handed. It's oh. easy to shoot. It does really gray. It's not that intimidating to fire because, but it's still a freaking shotgun. Um, granted, it's hard to reload or uh, reload it, but you know. So that's on me. The other um, home defense weapon I like is um, just anything that you're comfortable with. 
Right. Um, so just find out something you're comfortable with, you know how to use, and that you're willing to use. And th- and that is the best weapon for you, defending no matter what anybody says. It's what's best for you. Just like martial arts style, whatever best for you is effective. Um, when it comes uh, – so the other thing with the social engineering thing, when it comes to like, – just like – it's the yeah. Basically, what Sasha did is basically what any other like social engineering hacker does: try to get past codes, you get past security. Um, they go through inherited um, things. That, uh, it's how it's the way you bypass all securities. Of you go after things of known trust. Like I'm getting rewards, so I trust this. I, this is but the, it's Israel. This, I just you it's, know, it's, I love it's Israel, Israel, so I trust Israel. I, it's um, it's Microsoft, so I trust Microsoft. It's those things like that. So every scam is built off those trusts that you just inherently trust. So that's what people attack. It sucks but that's what people attack right yeah. all right paul uh well i've not got much other than uh the standard plug for liberty and chill uh and we are working on uh things for the liberty and chill uh distributed or the regional liberty and chills however you want to refer to it uh we do have a few signups uh if you go to the facebook group uh liberty and chill presented by wall Uh, ask to join we've got a couple of new members Uh, the form that we are using is now live and it is pinned to the top of the group so cool uh, we have had a few people express interest that haven't filled that out Uh, we do have a couple of people that have filled it out and i'm working on the next steps all right excellent yay i want to thank uh craig DaCosta. Christy Avery, Brandon Luke, and especially Jason Doolittle for being our $100 a month subscribers. And thanks to Jason for his generosity. We had such a great time with him coming in town. Our $100 a month subscribers get to come on the show. We're going to have Craig in September. Uh, Christy's been on, but we may have her on again soon. She feels cheated because she didn't get a boys weekend. Uh, so we'll, we'll have Christy. And then Brandon Luke's coming through town. Hopefully we'll see him soon, too. Uh, the best part about the Patreon, as I was talking with uh, Jason and I was telling him, the best part about the Patreon is the two-way relationship with the audience that we now have. It's not just with our $100 a month names that you hear all the time. It's with so many other people. Uh, and I don't know, I think the the idea that when you ask people to support you, they feel more invested in what you're doing, and then it ends up uh, you end up getting more two-way communication from folks. And it's just been really awesome. So we had a great uh, month this month. Let me uh, take a look at the patrons here. A uh, lot of new patrons. Um, up almost 70 almost $80 this month in new patrons, which is oh, wow. really incredible. So I want to thank the following people. Let's do our $125 tier. Uh, Brandon Luke, Christy Avery, Craig DaCosta, Jason Doolittle. Uh, a new one, Catherine Iverson. Catherine found us through the Facebook page, joined the uh, Facebook group, uh, and now just she's on a liking streak. She's just full in on wall, and we're so excited to have Catherine involved and being a Patreon subscriber. Richard McGurr, uh, longtime supporter of the program, has upgraded to the $25 membership. Uh, Jacob Cast... I'm so sorry, Jacob. Jacob Castorino uh, is also a new one. The Liberty Extract. Make sure you check that out. Michael Schulteis, our good buddy. Joshua Sexton, uh, Jacob Klingensmith, Eric Neff, Richard, uh, Richard, Rick Irvine, Stone Aldridge, Nick Economopoulos, Chad Oakage, Joey Turner, Carly Ernst, Brandon Kester, Heidi Aldridge, 
uh, Christian Emmons, Dan Dunbar, Doug Stream, Christopher Brokoff, and Todd Singer. Thanks so much at that $25 tier. At the $10 tier, Ryan Robertson. Uh, Ryan Roberson, I'm so sorry. Uh, he's he's brand new to the Patreon. Oh, man. I'm so sorry. Listen, you guys have to understand I'm bad with names. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm just going to butcher this, and I'm so sorry to her. Uh, Ev, Evagenia Maktakova. I think I did it. Please email me and tell me if I did that right. Logan Knoll, uh, but Virginia and Ryan are brand new to the Patreon. We're so glad to have you guys. Uh, Bindolin, and Logan Knoll, Brantley Spicer, Derek Scott, Michael Eugene Rowe, um, Kristen, Toby Stoltz, Stoltzfuss, David Downey, Albert Morakowitz, Tom Howd, A.J. Velaza, Ray Wolf, Jordan Laycock, Lauren Moss, Mark English, Derek Lynn, John Brett, Chris Murray, Ryan Hold, Joshua Laughlin, Samuel Alexander, Jeremy Franklin, Brian Kloss, Joe Benavidez, Sarah Potter, oh, that's Sarah Morrill now, Eric Bartline, David Stovall, Jess Nixon, Justin Mitchell, Derek Mishu, Mike Trant, Zach Felker, James Darling, Brian Travis, Chris Lane, Ryan Clancy, Ken Walker, and Rebecca Cash. Thank you all for being at the $10 level. And as well as you, you uh, Paul Copelander is at the $10 level. You're just not on my list. You're on a super secret list. Um, so thank you. <laughs> no problem. Um, uh, so yeah, that I'm, I'm so happy that you guys support us on a monthly basis. Uh, you guys always help fund. We're working on some new video projects, some new merch, uh, and so we, we take all that money and we keep upgrading, keep building and you guys make it possible. So thank you so much. I'm trying not to belch because I had, uh, some Perrier before <laughs> everyone was, isn't there. it nice? Well, yeah. With well, that flat water you drink. Yeah. So here's the thing. <laughs> I love Coke and I love ginger ale because they bite your face off, but mm-hmm. there's calories. And so where was I? Uh, I, I had, one here, I believe. Okay. When Jason came, I was like, "This isn't bad," and then we went to the Columbia Club, met Mark Rutherford for uh, some Perrier water and limes, mm-hmm. and I was like, "You know what? This is delicious." Harry is right, and so I bought <laughs> myself a case, and it really kind of helps with that. You you crave that carbonated soda mm-hmm. when when you're eating, you know, dinner or food or whatever, and it just you know, you you have a little bit of that with a twist of lime, and it it kind of cures yeah. that. That craving without the calories. See, I first got into it uh, getting because I used to um, I used to give up alcohol for Lent, so okay. it was and nothing took that. I missed a bite of beer and whiskey, and nothing could replace it. it. Would drive me nuts all through Lent, and then I tried sparkling water, and I'm like, oh, I'm good, right. All right, kids, thanks so much for joining us here in this episode. Tomorrow we will be here with uh, Dakota. Of the Boss Hog of Liberty brand new headquarters. They have a studio before us, brand new logo. We'll talk more about that. Speaking of the studio, yes, sir. Uh, those of you out there not giving to the Patreon need to make it really awkward for Dear Leader by getting us up over that uh, 1500 a month so that they have to consider, contractually obligated, <laughs> That's right. uh, have to find a studio. I'm I'm all for it. I mean, I, I would love to not have everybody at my house. Right. You know? So yeah, it would definitely it. make it a lot easier to bring the ladies home. Yeah, well, it'd be nice to have it. Like I had people over last night, and we ate 
awkwardly and like we were eating fajitas so we had it would have been so nice to have a table i used to have dinner parties it was great <laughs> what are you laughing at just everyone awkwardly arranged around your uh, sitting room <laughs> right <laughs> eating I, fajitas right while trying of, to balance the plate on one hand with it dripping everywhere trying not to yeah i mean it was a mess pizza is a mess uh so please yeah. please folks out there Save Dear Leader from having to make these decisions. Well, the production value would be great. Uh, it'd be great to have our own studio, but we mm-hmm. will eventually. We'll get there, um, especially if you help. So, uh, And then, uh, yeah, got some bonus content for our Patreon people that Matt Whitliffe and I are. We're going to do episode two of Defined. Uh, we're going to talk about the origins of the libertarian movement. And uh, only Patreon people can hear that initially um, as we kind of flesh that series out. So... You got to join. You got to get that bonus content. There was an extra 25 minutes to this show of Harry and I arguing that you didn't hear. Uh, And then uh, all the bonus content that we do. So, all right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. We will see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to this episode of We Are Libertarians. I'm amazed you made it to the very end, and I appreciate that. And that means that you were a true fan of We Are Libertarians. And any true fan of We Are Libertarians should listen to our other podcasts. We have a whole network of shows. We have The Chris Spangle Show, where I talk about many of my varied interests that aren't political, a lot of podcasting talk, if you're interested in getting involved in podcasting. The Brian Nichols Show. Brian talks to a lot of different folks from the left, the right, the center, libertarian movement. If you love We Are Libertarians, you will love The Brian Nichols Show. The Boss Hog of Liberty. The Boss Hog has basically created a media empire in his small town and has taken over along with his co-host Dakota Davis. I think it's really interesting to see how they've built a media network, and I encourage you to do the same. Upward Political Training, it's a podcast where I've put a lot of training for libertarians on how to spread the message. The Cost, this is a podcast where we break down the human costs of government policy, so be sure to check that out. Raw Audio Politics, where basically I take unedited speeches and interviews and stuff that I want to listen to, and I put it in a podcast feed for you. Miranda's World, Miranda is one of the craziest human beings in a good way that I've ever met. She's so entertaining and so much fun, and I think you will love that. And who could not listen to Tad Talk? Tad Western brings you the rootness, tootness, good time this side of the Mississippi. So be sure to check that out. He's one of the funniest human beings that I know. And if you are chubby and you need to get in shape, then you can't outrun the fork with Brett Bittner, where he talks about keto. Yes, I gave Brett Bittner a show. And you can check out a bunch of other podcasts at libertarianpodcasts.com. I have put together all of my favorite libertarian podcasts up there at libertarianpodcast.com, including our friends Lions of Liberty, The Lava Flow, The Johnny Rocket Launchpad, uh, The Scott Horton Show is one that I definitely think you should be listening to. So go check that out. Lots of great libertarian podcasts out there. You may not know where to start. Start there. And we've also got a comprehensive list of all the libertarian podcasts I can find. Thank you for listening. And if you love We Are Libertarians, please check out all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at wearelibertarians.com.